Amanda now, but we were at the Busy Bee and I saw him um, give Phoebe a quick kiss. I'm like, you don't kiss in church. And he said, well, you and Pastor, well, you and Andrew do it every week in church. I'm like, okay, fair enough. So. Anyway, so if you want to give your husband or your wife a kiss in church, you are allowed to do that. Why don't you grab your seats? <laughs> anyway. Oh. Thank you, guys. Let's give our worship team a massive round of applause. <clears throat> we are so blessed. And Tan, wherever you are, you did a great job. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> We're going to pray because I need God, <laughs> like we all do. Father, we um, thank you for this opportunity today to be able to come into your house. Lord, we... Don't take this moment for granted, Lord Jesus. And we, we've been asking you this morning to pour out your spirit on us, God. And we want to ask you again that even in this part of the service, Lord, that you still continue to pour out your spirit on us, Father. Lord, as I speak, Lord, as I speak your word, Lord, we thank you that it is living and it is breathing, Lord. And I just pray that as I speak, God, that people will be able to see new things today. God, that they'll be challenged today and that they'll walk out of here, Lord, being confident in who you are and that they've, they've got this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so today I want to ask everybody a question first. So put up your hand, be honest. This is church, so you have to be honest, right? Put up your hand if you have ever run out of petrol. Put up your hand. Actually, a lot of people. Okay. Well, I have never, I've never run out of petrol, not yet. I'll let you know if I do. But um, I know, Andrew, a few months ago... Um, I think he may have shared this with everyone already, but I'm going to tell you a bit of an embarrassing story. It was a bit of a blonde moment, and I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that anymore, but it was. I, anyway, I had a moment a couple of months back where I've realised since living in Horsham that you actually, when, you get your, when your petrol light comes on, you can probably have almost a whole week before you actually put petrol in your car. So I'd gone out at lunch from the church, and I'd... Um, caught up with someone on the, on the way back. I'm like, oh, my petrol light's on, but I've got somebody I've got to go and see. So I'll leave it till later and then I'll put petrol in the car. So I came back to the church, left my car there, came out in the afternoon and went, oh, I better go and put petrol in the car. So I drove to the petrol station and I pulled out the, is it Bowser or whatever it is? Nozzle thingy, whatever. Anyway, put it in the car and it clicked like it was full. I'm like, well, that's weird. It mustn't be working. So I put that one back on. Wrote, drove my car forward slightly, got the next one, and the same thing happened. I'm like, this is really weird. So, I, of course, what do you do if that happens? You call your husband. So I rang Andrew, and I'm like, Andrew, I don't know, there's something wrong with the car. I'm trying to put petrol in, and it's clicking like it's full. And he's like, it is full. And I went, what do you mean? And he said, well, look, I had to go out earlier, and I used your car, and I saw that it was empty. So being an awesome husband as he is, he filled it up. And when I got back in the car, I didn't even look for the red light and I went, okay, I'll go and fill up the car. But of course, I couldn't fill it up. So then I had to embarrassingly go inside and pay like 37 cents or something <laughs> and explain to the person why my car was actually full. So anyway, I won't do that again. But look, I may never have run out of petrol before, but there have been times in my life where I've felt empty. And this morning, I want to talk to us on the subject of empty. Um, you know, as a mum and as a pastor, I find that there are times where I give out way more than I actually feel like I have the energy to do. Has anyone else ever been there? You're doing things for other people and you're like, God, I don't actually know if I've got the energy to do that. I've grown up in church and I've been a Christian since I was 
probably five years old. But there's been times in my life where spiritually I have to say I've actually been in a really, even though I know God, I've been in a really dry place. And even practically, you know, Andrew and I have had seasons in our life where we've looked at our bank account and it's been pretty empty. So I'm sure there's other people here today that are in the same situation. Even right now, maybe this week you've had a situation where you're feeling empty. And this morning I want to talk about a lady in the Bible, and we're going to get into two kings this morning. And I want to talk about this lady in the Bible who was in a really bad predicament, and she was in a a situation where she was empty. So we're going to get into our Bibles. Who's got their Bible with them this morning? Okay, and we are going to read two kings for starting at verse 1. And it says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elijah, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. So can you imagine yourself in this situation? I mean, I can't imagine myself, but put yourself into this situation, put yourself into this lady's shoes this morning. This woman has just lost her husband, so she's grieving her husband. And from what I gather, and this is probably my imagination, but I imagine that her husband's probably died a little earlier than she expected because her sons obviously couldn't work, so they were unable to pay the bills, and he'd left behind a huge debt. And so now she was fearful, she was anxious, she was a single mom, you know, she was a widow, she was grieving, and on top of that, she's just lost her husband, and she's now in a situation where she's like, God, I've lost my husband, and maybe I'm going to lose my sons as well. And on top of that, if you look at verse 1, it says, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared you. So I had a bit of a look into this this week, and I looked at a couple of commentaries. And I actually believe that this man would have been a student of Elisha's, and he would have been teaching him. So this woman not only is in feeling you know, full of grief and disappointment and anxiety, but she's also a bit disappointed with God, I would imagine, because she's like, My husband, he served you. He served you, Elisha. And he revered God and he, was, he feared God. And yet, even though you promised us all these things, I'm in a situation that I never expected to be in. And I know this morning, as I said, there's people that are probably feeling like that. They feel like they've served God, they've done the right thing. And yet, for whatever reason, there's parts of our life where we're feeling empty. Let's get into verse 2. So 2 Kings 4, 2. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me. What do you have in your house? And she said, your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except for a small jar of olive oil. So in desperation, this woman, she runs to Elisha and she's in a pretty bad way. And so what's Elisha's response to her? He says, what do you have in your house? What do you have? And I was thinking about this and I thought, oh, so often in our lives, we run to God when we get into a really desperate situation. And quite often, God's response is just like this. Well, what do you have? What do you have? What's in your house? This morning, I woke up and I was reading my one-year Bible. I'm reading Nikki Gumbel's one-year Bible um, at the moment. And this morning, it was actually talking about um, when Jesus fed the crowd of people. And when I was reading the scripture in Mark, it said, um, Jesus asked his disciples, how many loaves do you have? So there was a crowd of people there, and in, and in Mark it says that there are only seven loaves. And he said, how many do you have? And I don't think God was saying that from a position of superiority, and I don't think he was saying that to discourage them or to taunt them. But I think he was actually saying that to go, 
you know what? You actually don't have enough on your own and you need to get to a place where you realise you don't have enough on your own. See, as awesome as you are, which you are, you are awesome people. You guys up in Neil and online, you're awesome as well. As awesome as we all are, we actually don't have enough without God. And sometimes I think God needs to get us to a place where we realise that. The Apostle Paul understood this and he wrote in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 10, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And when we become vulnerable in our emptiness, I actually wrote down empty mess, and I actually thought that's quite appropriate. Our empty mess is exposed. God can begin to fill us, and he can begin to strengthen us. So the widow replied to Elisha, I have nothing but a bit of oil. And some commentaries actually say that the bit of oil probably wasn't like a jar like this, but it was probably only a little jar like this. They didn't think it was a jar that would have been big enough to cook with. They thought it would be a jar that was big enough for anointing oil like this one here. And it definitely says in the Bible that it was not going to be enough to pay the debts or to be enough to live off. So the story continues in verse 3, and Elisha says, Go around and ask all your neighbours for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine she goes up to Elisha and she's probably thinking Elisha's going to go, all right, guys, why don't we all kind of rally around her? Let's grab what we've got. Let's support this woman. But no, Elisha kind of asked her something ridiculous. He says, go around and grab jars. And not just jars, but empty jars. So I'm sure she would have gone off and started collecting jars and she's probably thinking, I've already... You know, I've got nothing in my house. I'm assuming that this woman had no furniture left. She had no food left. So she started going to ask her neighbours, who she'd probably asked plenty of times before. She'd already asked them, so she's going, oh, God, do I really have to go back and ask again for jars? I've already asked them once. Or maybe she had one of those neighbours that was kind of a bit nosy. You know the neighbours that open their blinds and kind of see what you're doing and she's going now I'm going to have to give her every single detail of what was happening or maybe she had a really opinionated neighbor and she's like I really don't want to do that or even worse than that she was probably feeling exhausted you know she's a widow she's a single mom she's trying to make ends meet and she had to go and ask for jars for empty jars you see I think when Elisha asked her to do that It was something that didn't make sense because he was actually testing her faith. He was testing her to see if she was going to be obedient. And God was setting her up for a miracle. Have you ever noticed that when God is setting us up for a miracle, sometimes he asks us to do things that seem a bit unusual? Have you ever noticed when he's setting us up for a miracle that sometimes things seem to get worse before they get better? But when God wants to do something miraculous, our capacity to be filled has to be expanded. So how does God expand our capacity? Well, sometimes God expands our capacity by taking us through fires, by taking us through situations of loss, of grief like this woman. It could be a financial crisis like this lady. It could be just a feeling of just feeling completely empty. Another time God expands our capacity by asking us to do things that we don't feel capable of. I've got to admit, every time I get up here, the week before I say to Andrew, I don't think I can do this. I'm I'm being really honest this morning. This is not my comfortable place to be. But I know that when I get up here to do this, it's actually not about me, and I know that God is going to enable me to do that. 
When we're going through the fire and we're feeling overwhelmed, he asks us, are you going to trust me? Are you going to be obedient to me? The idea of having just a tiny little bit of oil like this is kind of a bit scary, true? Just having a little bit of oil in your life. I think most of us, we live in a world where we want to be kicking goals, where we want to be, you know, setting goals and, and aiming for them and actually achieving them. But I think God sometimes wants us to get to a position where he goes, you know what, you need to trust me. And with a little bit of oil, I'm actually able to provide the rest. If you look at the Bible, there's so many stories of people that have very little. I mentioned earlier Mark, but also in the other Gospels, we talk, there's a story of feeding the 5,000 and the little boy with the five loaves and the two fishes. Or you've got stories like the, when, they went, when Jesus went to a wedding and they, they ran out of wine. There's so many stories of people that were sick, that were unable to walk anymore, that were deaf, that had nothing. But Jesus came and he changed, he changed that. God takes a nothing and says, I'm going to fill you. I read this this morning. God is able to do a lot with the very small amount that we have. So let's keep reading in verse 4. So 2 Kings verse 4, Elisha's speaking here and he says, Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, put it to one side. So she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons and they brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. If you notice those two verses there, it actually talks about shutting the door twice. And something I've learned over the years of reading the Bible is often when something's repeated, there's something there that, you know, God wants to get your attention with. So it says, Elisha said, go and shut the door behind you. And then it said in verse 5, she left him and shut the door behind her. I wonder why the, that is. I, I thought perhaps Elisha thought, well, if you go and shut the door, that means the distractions are all going to be shut out and you can just focus on what I've asked you to do. Perhaps he realised that there were influences or people around that were opinionated that may try to steer her away from what he asked. I think Elisha was saying, shut the door to distractions, the opinions of others, to your fears and doubts. But I also believe that in, when, in shutting the door, in the quietness and the stillness of being with God and only God, God is able to do things in our life that he can only do when it's just us there. God's able to point things out and challenge us on our mindsets and all different kind of things when we're just in a place on our own. And I believe that in that moment she would have realised that it was God and only God that was able to do this. You know, there's nothing like getting alone in the presence of God. I love it, but I also know that it can be a struggle at times. If you're, if you're a young mum, which I'm not a young mum anymore, but I'm still a mum, but as a young mum, I remember just trying to get five minutes to myself, and sometimes, you know, you'd go to the bathroom and the kids would follow you there, you'd be cooking dinner and the kids would follow you there, but I really want to challenge you this morning, whether you're a mum, whether you're an older woman, older man, whether you're middle-aged, whatever you are, you need to find a way to shut the door. You need to find a way to have an opportunity to get alone with God so that he can challenge you on things, he can encourage you on th with things. So for some people, shutting the door might be simply that, going into the house, shutting the door, putting on some worship music, not having worship music, you don't have to have that, and being with God. For others, it might be putting your headphones on and going for a walk. There's so many ways in which you can shut the door. It could be coming down to the altar this morning, 
I was listening to the radio yesterday, uh, the Christian radio, and the lady was saying on there, she said, my quiet place where I get in touch with God is when I'm hanging the washing on the line because it's the only place that the kids don't follow me. So I want to encourage you this morning, find your place, find your place. Maybe it's your closet. Has anyone ever seen the movie War Room? Find your place and get alone with God. So the sun brings the jars. There's probably, I don't know, it doesn't say how many jars, but I reckon there would have been a lot of jars. And they start to pour the oil. And as they're obedient and as they pour the oil, the little bit of oil like this begins to fill up jar after jar after jar after jar. And then in verse 6 it says, When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. And he replied, There is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. I think that there's so many times in our lives that we just see this tiny little empty jar. But I see, I think that what God sees is when there's an empty jar, there's room for opportunity. There's room for opportunity for him to show up. I love our vision for the year. Our vision for the year for Harvest Church this year is come alive. And we've been spending a lot of time looking at Ezekiel 37. And in Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel finds himself in a valley of dry bones. And Andrew spoke a few weeks ago on Vision Sunday, and he spoke about having open eyes. And otherwise, what do we see? You see, for Ezekiel in that moment, what did Ezekiel see? All he saw was dry bones. But then God instructed him to prophesy to these bones. And as he was obedient, and as he did something again that was just a little bit weird, I mean, imagine doing that, it was a bit weird. Um, God began to breathe on the situation and God began to fill the bones with his breath and they came to life. You see, I think that we see things as empty or dry, but God sees the breath, God sees the opportunity to come in and fill. But I want to challenge us with something this morning because, sure, we can be empty, like we, we are all empty at times, but I want to challenge us because I think that sometimes we actually can be too full as well. So often we try to fill the emptiness and void in our lives with other things. Addiction is more often than not fueled by an emptiness inside of us, is it not? We fill ourselves with social media, we fill ourselves with YouTube, we fill ourselves with information overload. I mean, I don't know about you, but I find right now getting onto Facebook or getting onto anything, there's so much information and it's just actually feeling like it's suffocating me sometimes. We pump ourselves up with the approval of other people. We turn to substances, whether it's alcohol, whether it's food, and we fill our lives up with just a really, really busy schedule. But I think we can be just like me at the petrol station. We can fill ourselves up to a, to a point where we're so full that God actually doesn't have the opportunity to come in and fill us. The other day I was thinking about this and I, as I was praying and I was meditating, I actually felt the Holy Spirit say there's more danger being full than there is being empty. Wow. I'm just say that again. There's more danger being full than there is being empty. Because when we're empty, we actually become aware of, of our struggles. We become vulnerable. We understand that we need God. But we can get to a point in our lives where we are so full of other stuff that we actually forget about God. So Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be being filled. Greg, Greg said that last week. Be being filled. Continually filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to put a picture up on the screen now because I can. This is my puppy. Isn't she adorable, Lisa? She's so cute. Her name is Sizzles, 
and this was taken this week and I take way too many pictures of our puppy. But there is a reason that I've got the picture up on the screen this morning because we moved into a, a new house recently and as much as we tried to get all of the builder's junk out of the yard, the dog still keep finding bits of rubbish and bits of junk. And poor little Sizzles cost us quite a lot of money a few weeks ago when she decided to eat I don't know what in the yard and she ended up with a tummy full of all sorts of stuff and ended up at the vets. Uh, you can take that off now if you want. Or you can leave it there if you like. It's up to you, Levi. No, it's too distracting. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm no mechanic, but like Xander and Guy and Steve would know, and Andrew actually, that you have to put the right fuel into your petrol tank. I mean, if you put, say, petrol into a diesel tank, does that work well? No, it doesn't. So <laughs> you need to make sure that... Sorry, I'm having to go at Andrew here because he may have done that a while back. <laughs> anyway, you, may, you, you made fun of me last time, so there you go. Anyway, my whole point around that was not to make fun of him. The whole point around that is that we need to fill our tank with the right things. So my question to you this morning is, what are you filling the tank with? Okay, let's just read verse 7. So she went and told the man of God, go and sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. So the Bible tells us that the woman had so much oil left that she was, allowed, she was able to pay off the debt so that her sons could stay with her. But on top of that... It said that she had enough oil to live off. Not just a little bit, but she had a lot. See, as Christians, I sometimes think that we kind of have this mentality where it's like, oh, well, you know, this will do, that's okay. But I really believe that God wants us to live big lives. And I'm not, I'm not even talking financially here. I'm just talking about in general. I believe that God wants us to live big, blessed lives, to have enough of him in our lives that we have enough to live off every day. And I was thinking about the jars and I thought, it doesn't, doesn't say how many jars there were, but I thought, imagine if that woman had 100 more jars. I reckon if that woman had 100 more jars, those jars would have been filled with oil as well. In the same way that, you know, God wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants us to be filled with his spirit, his power and his ability. He doesn't want us just to have enough to get by. He actually wants us to have enough to live off. His freedom, his victory, his blessing and his favour. So just like the widow, I've just got four really quick points. Just like the widow, widow, we have to, number one, be willing to invite God into the situation. Number two, we have to be available to have an encounter with God. Number three, we need to be obedient to his instruction. And number four, even though it hurts sometimes, we have to allow him to expand our capacity for more oil. And I believe that when we do that, he's going to meet us in our emptiness. We're going to check out the screens just for a little clip, just for a moment.
Beautiful, hey? <clears throat> so this morning, Easter is just a week away. Um, it comes around so quickly. And this morning, I obviously, I've challenged us as, as Christians to make sure that we're living a life where we're available, where we're, we're asking God to come in and fill the areas of our lives where we, we need His Spirit, where we need His presence. But this morning I want to talk to other people as well. And I don't know who's in the room today that perhaps there's people here today that don't have a relationship with Jesus. Perhaps there's people up at Neil or online this morning that may have heard about Jesus but actually don't have a relationship with Jesus. See, Easter is a time where we celebrate the empty tomb. We celebrate it. And I know there's a lot of people that don't understand why we celebrate Easter, but we celebrate the empty tomb because of the victory that we have in Jesus. But the thing is, there's always going to be an emptiness or a void in your life if you don't have a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus. So this morning, I want to ask you in this room, and we're going to, we're going to close our eyes if everybody is happy to do that. And I want to ask you this morning, do you have a relationship with Jesus? I don't mean, do you know who he is? Do you know the Bible? I'm not asking that because you might know the Bible really well, but unless you have a personal relationship with Jesus, then you're never going to be feeling good enough. You're never going to be feeling full. You're never going to be feeling secure in knowing where one day you're going to be. You know, Jesus wants us to spend eternity with him, but we have to actually ask him to come into our lives. So I'm going to ask you this morning, if perhaps you don't know Jesus or perhaps you have known Jesus, but for whatever reason you've walked away, this morning if you say, I want to have a personal relationship with Jesus, I would love you to raise your hand. There is no one looking around. Thank you. I'd love you to raise your hand this morning. And we're going to pray. Anybody else? That's great. Even online, if you make that decision today, why don't you message us? Because we would love to help you on your journey to know Jesus better. And we're going to pray. Father, we thank you. Why don't you repeat after me? Father, we thank you for dying on the cross for us. We thank you for the empty tomb. We thank you for forgiving us. And we thank you that we have a hope in you. And right now, Lord Jesus, we ask you into our life. We ask you into our heart. We ask you to fill the empty void in our lives. We're sorry for the wrong things that we've done in our life. And we thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't, we, um, why don't we congratulate those that have made a decision this morning. Thank you, Lucy.
If you've made a decision this morning, perhaps you didn't even raise your hand, but you're like, you know what, I actually made a decision to follow Jesus this morning. I would love you to come and have a chat to me after. I'm going to be actually out in the Welcome Lounge, which is just out to the right there. So please come and have a chat to me. We would love to give you a Bible. We are going to be starting a discipleship course in a couple of weeks' time, and we'll let you know a little bit more about that. But I would love to talk to you this morning and help you on your journey. Why don't we stand for a moment? we got time to sing again yeah so this morning I talked about closing the door and we're going to do something a little bit different this morning we're going to I'm going to pray in a moment and I'm going to um, actually I might even get Andrew to come and pray a blessing over us in a moment but then what we're going to do is we're going to have the worship team just sing for a few more minutes and I talked about closing the door this morning on my way to church this morning as I was praying I went God I closed the door to the distractions around me I only want to focus on you so this morning if you feel that you know perhaps something in the message really spoke to you or if you feel like you need to do business with God this morning I'm going to ask you to come down to the front but we're not going to pray for you this morning we're not going to get our pastoral care team to come and pray for you if you want prayer afterwards please come and chat to us so I'm not saying we won't pray for you But I really felt God say this morning, ask people to come down to the front and do business on their own. So we're going to worship. Feel free to stay in your seats if you want to. Feel free to come down the front. Andrew's going to pray a blessing over everyone. And um, thank you. Before you go, can you stay here? We can do this together. Um, But can we get uh, a round of applause and thank Rachel for such incredible work? Um, it comes out of a place that I think every time that she speaks I think people feel like they've, they've actually been loved on and, and that's not something that you have developed by yourself that's what the Holy Spirit's working through you so well done babe you did a really great job babe. we're going to pray this prayer alright once you stretch forward your hands and then the team's going to lead us you're going to come down to the front if that's what you would like to do if you are going to want to leave after this just please be mindful that there's people doing business with God. So if we can keep this room fairly quiet, we've got water baptisms meeting over here in in a few moments after that. All right, so just be pleased and respectful of that. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.